Hi, and welcome. We're so excited that you chose to join us today. And we hope that this message will inspire you to live the life that God designed you to live. For this message or others like it, you can go to our website or you can find us on our YouTube channel. Now sit back, relax, enjoy this message. I kind of go by the philosophy, let's all keep our hands to ourselves. I learned that in kindergarten. Let's all keep our hands to ourselves. Amen? Okay, okay, we'll forget it. Uh, well, it's good to have you all here. Thank you for coming. It's awesome. Thank you for worshiping God with us. Got it. And uh, exciting things God is doing. I want to receive the offering. Um, I, I, let's pray first. Can you stand up with me one more time? I know it's kind of like aerobic church, but uh, just grab something by the hand. Let's pray for our nation right now. So I, I always intend to do this every week, and I don't always remember. But, Lord, we just lift this nation up to you, God. Lord, this nation was started by you with a divine mandate, Lord, to be a city on a hill, to bless the nations of the earth, Lord. And, God, in some ways we have lost our way. But we just thank you, Lord, that you are a restorer. You are a redeemer. And we just pray right now, God, that you will redeem this nation, restore it, that you'll give us leaders after your heart that will do your will. We just thank you for this upcoming election, Lord, that the people that you have chosen, those are the ones, Lord, that will be elected in this land, that the, voice, Lord, the voices that we hear so often, the voice of the mob, that will not take root in this nation, Lord, but that your voice will be clearly heard. We just speak a blessing over this nation, Lord. We declare that it is a righteous nation and that it obey the will of God in the earth. And Lord, we just pray for our leaders that you give every one of them wisdom. Hallelujah. Now, and give them every one of them a backbone, Lord, to stand for that which is right. And we pray a blessing now on this land in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. You agree? Say amen. 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 All right. You may be seated. I want to receive the offering, tithes and offerings this morning. I was thinking, and this, pa this um, passage came to my mind in Genesis uh, chapter 4, where it talks about Cain and Abel. Many, most of us have probably read that story. And um, people wonder why it says that God had regard for Abel, not just, not just his offering, but he had regard for Abel. He had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. And some people wonder what that is. Some people say, well, Cain brought uh, fruit of the ground and God wanted a blood sacrifice. But actually, if you read through the scriptures, you find that God accepted uh, the fruit of the ground as offerings. So that wasn't the case. But here's, it's very interesting how the wording of the Hebrew Bible is worded. Let me just read it to you. I forgot to bring my glasses, but let me see if I can wing it here. It says... Um, it says now in verse 2, now Abel was a keeper of the sheep. Thank you, ma'am. He was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Verse 3, in the process of time, that's a very important point right there. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the first, everybody say first, firstborn of his flock. And they're fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And so the issue there was in the process of time, Cain got around, when he got around to it, he brought an offering. In other words, it clearly shows attitude. 
that is, there was a kind of a, almost a reluctancy. It's not that big a deal. When I get around to it, I'll do it. Where Cain, or Abel, on the other hand, brought the first, first thing. And through Scripture, there's a law of the first fruits, that we present the first fruits to God. In the New Testament, look at another verse here, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul brings this same theme out when he's in verses chapter 8 and 9 of, of 2 Corinthians are all talking about money. And in verse 12, he says this, For if there's first a willing mind, uh, the NIV said, if there's a willingness of heart, the gift is accepted according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. In other words, what he's saying here is that if I give willingly, if I give willingly, then my gift is accepted. So here's the deal. Some people think God is so desperate for money, he'll take it any way you want to give it. But actually, it's not true. God accepts it when it comes from a willing heart. Otherwise, he doesn't accept it. Isn't that interesting? And here's the other verse. That's why in 2 Corinthians 9, it says in verse 7, it says, So let each one give a purpose in his heart, not grudgingly. Here's the attitude now. Not grudgingly, oh, yeah, i got to give. Or of necessity, I'm going, come on, we need money. You know, and you're like, uh, that's the wrong attitude. It's not a willing heart. It would be a Cain offering, not an Abel offering. How many see that? See, Abel was eager to give it. And then the last phrase, I quote that verse a lot. Last phrase says, for God loves a cheerful giver. Cheerful. Actually, the word cheerful is the Greek word hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. And so, and then he says, God will make all grace abound to you. So actually, the attitude that we have in our giving is very important. So that means when you get paid and it comes time to give tithes and you go, I'll give my tithe when I get around to it. Okay, Cain. Or when I get, when I get my check, first fruits, first goes to God. Not when I get around to it. How many can see what I'm saying? Because your attitude is so important to God, God sees your attitude. And if your attitude is one of, eh, I don't know, you know, kind of disgruntled or whatever, it's not accepted. Your gift's not accepted. And so you want to have a, a good attitude. And so what, what happens a lot of times if you, if you have trouble with the love of money or greed, and don't tell me that nobody has a problem with the love of money, it wouldn't be talked about in the Scripture if people didn't have problems with it, Right? And so it really shows you where your heart is, where your treasure is, your heart is. And so if your heart is after God, there's a willingness on your part. I'm enjoying this. In fact, you've got a big smile on your face, cheerful, right? And if you know what the Bible says, you would be cheerful. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I appreciate that. <laughs> don't, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. But uh, anyway, so let's, let's receive our offering. If the ushers could please come. If you're giving, uh, uh, giving money, would like a receipt, you'd need an envelope. If you make it out a check, you can make it out to Destiny Church. Destiny Church. Pretty soon what will happen is, pretty soon what will happen is, I didn't say pass the buckets. Pretty soon what will happen is that we'll be, I'll be talking about checks and people will be going, what's a check? <laughs> Just like saying, we, you say, I was on a cassette recorder. Everybody goes, what's a cassette recorder? You know, Right? All right, well, I didn't get a chance to pray. I guess we weren't paying attention. But anyway, so uh, go ahead, pass the buckets. We have a video we're going to show right now.
it's for it to be well with our soul. And some people, you know, they have the attitude that if I can, if I can have, you know, good circumstances in my life, if everything is going right, then it will be well with my soul. God to fix everything. God goes, I'll fix everything, but I'm going to fix you first. stand in the face of difficult situations, raise both hands and say, it is well with my soul. is, is that puts your soul in a place where the supernatural power of God will begin to work through your life to defeat every enemy that is in your life. Don't look at defeating the enemies out there. Look at defeating the enemies inside where you can say, it's well with my soul. When you say that, get ready. There's going to be an explosion of supernatural power. God. That's one of the most important things, the objectives that we have is for it to be well with our soul. You know, sometimes we think that our life is blessed if it's well with our circumstances, well with our finances, our body, whatever, our relationships. But the thing that God's really after is that it to be well with our soul. And uh, that's, his, that's the focus. Because what happens is we... Your, your outer life being blessed is tied to your soul because the Bible says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper. That's your outer life. And be in health, your outer life, even as your soul prospers. So it's tied to the prosperity of soul. So everything that we do, everything that we do, we're seeking to convert the soul. We're seeking to convert your soul. When you become a Christian, 
your spirit becomes brand new. It's, Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, that which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of spirit. So yeah, spirit actually has a new birth. You become a new creature in Christ, but your soul still can be pretty jacked up, right? Your thoughts are unwholesome. Your feelings are all crazy. I always think about feelings as, ever seen a lady, I saw a lady one time giving this great big dog a walk. And the dog was basically walking her. I mean, she was hanging on for dear life, and this dog's tick. And that's how some people's emotions are. They're so out of whack. And that's because their thought life is so out of whack. And so what God's after is to convert our soul by, or save our soul, convert our soul by capturing it and bringing it into line with his will and his word. Amen? Amen. You know, and so this morning what I'm going to do is I'm going to be talking about uh, identity theft. And so my title is Beware of Identity Theft. How many know that they actually have companies now that will vigorously protect your identity? When I, was a, when I was first a Christian, I started looking at this subject about identity, and I thought it was kind of a boring subject. I thought like, and it wasn't an important subject. The more I looked into it, the more I realized that I, your identity is one of the most important things. If you can capture your true identity in Christ, it's one of the most important things that will ever happen to you in your life. Because the enemy, you know, he's called a lot of different names, one of the chief among them is he's a thief and he seeks to steal our identity. And so uh, what happens is we become uh, a perversion of what God really wants us to be. And until you really have a clear understanding of what your identity is, uh, you, you'll never live up to your potential in God because everything flows out of identity. Everything does. Your actions your attitudes, your work, your perception, everything flows out of correct identity. My wife was just tell, telling me that Chris Valentin just in his podcast this week or last week recently, he, he told a story about when he was a kid, his stepfather used to call him a dumb donkey, but he didn't use the word dumb, a donkey. I do have to spell it out for you. Okay. He used to call him a dumb donkey, but didn't use the word donkey. And so anyways, but uh, another word that had three letters starts with A. But anyway, so, <laughs> ends with S. Anyway, so anyways, but, uh, uh, and so what happened was, what happened was he grew up thinking that he wasn't very smart, wasn't very bright. And so when he graduated from high school, he read at a third grade level. And he said, what the, those words perverted who I was. Now he writes books. Because that ability was there, but it was closed down. It was shut down because of those words. It altered or perverted what his identity was. That's why it's so important that we hear the voice of God from our identity, about our identity. You know, there's a story that comes to us from history. I don't know how many ever read or studied the French Revolution. I hate to even call it a revolution because it was really... It was just really the mob that ruled. They, they beheaded people. And they would put their heads on pokers and, you know, march through the streets with their heads. It was a vile period of time in French history. But what happened was there was a, the King Louis and his, and his wife, Maria Antoinette, I think that's how you say her name, they were both beheaded by the mob. And so they had a little son. I think he was around 10 years old. I can't remember his name. But he was put in kind of like protective custody. 
And what they did is they wanted to pervert him. And so they would bring all kinds of different vices, like uh, they listed all different kinds, trying to pervert this little boy. But you know what the little boy would say? He was only like 10 years old. He'd say, I'm a prince. Princes don't do that. And they got so frustrated because they would try to tempt him with, you know, alcohol or women or whatever. He goes, I'm a prince. Princes don't act like that. And they couldn't do it. So finally what they did was they brought prostitutes in that, were, that had venereal diseases and they sexually assaulted the little boy. And he died at a very young age filled with uh, disease. Isn't that a horrible story? But the point was, the good point about that story is that he wouldn't, he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't succumb to temptation because he said, I am, I am a prince. And so what happens is when you truly see who you are in God, when you truly see who you are, it affects your behavior. If you truly saw that I am righteous because of the blood of Jesus, righteous people don't act like that. If you truly see that, that's why I'm totally against, this little, little girl's lost her way. I'm totally against the idea, oh, she found, all right, she found her way. Wrong people. So uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm totally against this phrase. Now, many of you probably have heard it. I, how many have heard this phrase? I'm a sinner saved by grace. How many have heard that phrase? I'm totally against that phrase because you're not losing the sinner tag and you're saying the blood of Jesus can't transform me. It's like saying, I'm a man, but I'm a woman. You can't be both. You have to be one or the other. You're either a sinner or you've been saved by grace. If you're saved by grace, you're no longer a sinner. How many of you see what I'm saying? But if you identify, if your identity is I'm a sinner, guess what you're going to live? You're going to succumb to temptation every time. Why? Because my identity is I'm a sinner. And so when temptation presents itself, you say, of course, I do that. Why? Because I'm a sinner. But when you start seeing yourself, I'm not a sinner. I've been saved by grace. I'm the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I'm a new creature. Uh, I'm a son of God. I'm, a, I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Christ. I'm a king. I'm a priest. And I'm destined to reign on the earth. If I start seeing myself that way, it transforms my perception. It transforms my actions. How many can see what I'm saying? See, one time I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't know if you've ever done this. Lord, what do you want me to do? I have ever asked the Lord that. So I was asking the Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And as I sat there and got real quiet, the Lord said, don't ask that question. Ask, what did I make you to be? And I go, what did I make you to be? Because if you understand what you be, your actions will follow what you be. Isn't that true? You know, the Bible says about Jeremiah that he said, uh, Jeremiah, God said, before I formed thee in the belly, Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you before thou came out of the womb, I sanctify you, I ordain you to be a prophet unto the nations. You see, that's not just true of Jeremiah, it's true of you. Before you were ever born, God ordains you to be something. First of all, to be a son or a daughter of the king, a daughter of God, a son of God. How many know that Jesus' identity was pretty important? He would ask the disciple, who do you say I am? What is my identity? And they'd say, well, people say you're this, you're that, but who do you say I am? You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then he goes, flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you, but my father did. And every single one of us need to have a revelation of our true identity. It needs to come out of heaven. 
We need to understand from heaven's point of view who we are, not from people's point of view, because people will always mar who we are. You know, it's interesting, in the story of Joseph, I've been telling everybody about this story. In the story of Joseph, please don't talk on the front row here. Uh, the story of Joseph. <laughs> busted, caught talking in church. Now you have to say amen a lot. Yeah, you give me that look. Okay, so anyways. But in the story of Joseph, Joseph actually got a true revelation from God. How many know that's true? God showed him dreams, and God showed him, you're a ruler. You're to be a ruler. Your, your sons and, or your brothers are going to bow down to you. Either your mother and father are going to bow down to you. And so he goes and tells all of his brothers that when they looked at him, when he told them their, his dream, here's my dream. It came from heaven, came out of heaven. Here's my dream. And they told it to him. They looked, the brothers looked at him and said, I don't see it. Amen. I don't see it. You're never, I'm never bound. I don't see it. And after that, Joseph went through 15 years of getting him ready for his, the fulfillment of his dream. But his brothers didn't have prophetic insight. So when they looked at him, they said, I don't see, I don't see a ruler there. I see just this squirrely little kid that's a, a daddy's boy. I don't see a ruler out of you. But after 15 years, guess what happened? They bowed down to him. And my point is this, is that when God speaks to you very often, you're not ready for it. But God will process you, bring you through a process. But every single one of us need to hear what God is saying about our lives. We all need to hear it. Amen. Otherwise, what happens is we let broken people speak over our lives and they mar who we really are. We, we begin to live our lives filled with shame and fear and because we let other people mar who God made us to be. You know, it's interesting. There's a story about John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth. I love this story. It's, uh, you know, most of us have heard the whole thing. But in Luke chapter 1, verse 36, what it says is the angel came to Mary. This same angel had visited Elizabeth six months earlier. And this, and this angel comes to Mary and tells Mary that Elizabeth, your cousin, is with child. Elizabeth, your cousin, is with child. And then he, the angel says this. This is the sixth month with her who was called barren. See, they hung this tag on her because of what was uh, clearly an experience in her life. They hung this tag on her and said, barren, barren. The angel said, you call her barren, but in heaven, she's not known as barren. In heaven, she's known as John the Baptist's mother, the mother of John the Baptist. And the angel came out of heaven, and the angel announced her true identity. And that's why when Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal my identity to you, but my father revealed it, that's true of all of us. We need to have a revelation of who we are and not let other people define who we are. Don't let people hang labels on you, loser or, or whatever. I, I can't think of, another, think of another. Think of another label and tell me later, okay? But loser or some other label. Don't let people say that about you. A misfit, a, a broken person, you'll never amount to. Don't ever let anybody hang that on you. Let God define who you really are. I am what God says I am. With the voice of man, doesn't matter. It's what God says I am. And I want to hear what God Amen. has to say about me. Amen. 
You see, here's what's interesting. I love this, this thought. It comes out of Genesis where, where when God made everything in Genesis chapter 1, God made everything. It says that, first of all, he spoke to the ground and God said, told the ground to give, bring forth grass and trees and all that stuff. And then God spoke to the water and told the water to bring forth sea creatures. And then it says in verse 24 that God spoke to the ground again and told the ground to bring forth animals and all these things. But here's the interesting thing. When God made man, he spoke to himself. He didn't speak to the ground. He spoke to himself. He said, let us make man, how? In our image, after our likeness, and let man have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air. So God put dominion inside of man. What man was, and when I say man, I mean mankind, I mean men and women, people are the crowning achievement of God's creation. People are. People are the crowning achievement of God's creation. When God looks at people, he sees himself. He sees a reflection of himself. So we were created to reflect the glory of God in the earth. We were created to be his representatives, to do his will, to respond to him in worship and to fellowship with him in intimacy. And there's no other created being that has that same status. No other created being. We are one very unusual creation. And God, that's why the psalmist said, God, what is man that you are so mindful of him? You know what the word mindful means? It's really a hard word to understand. Mindful, full mind. I know it's really hard. He says, what is man? You didn't get that. Are you guys still stuck back a ways? Okay, catch up, would you? Okay, so mindful of him. God's, the psalmist says, why, God, are you so mindful of man? Why? I don't get it. I know man. I know people. They're not that great. But to God, why? Because when God looks at you, he sees himself. And he sees who he created you to be. And he also knows that humanity has spoken death over your life and has marred the picture of what God wants you to walk in. But the, the good thing is that God sent Jesus to, to redeem us. See, sin dethroned us, filled us with shame. Shame is a horrible thing. Shame makes us feel deeply flawed, makes us feel deeply defiled, makes us feel like we don't measure up, that we'll never become anything. That's what shame does. It's a horrible thing. We say to kids, shame on you. Never say to kids, shame on you. I mean, you can talk about guilt. Guilt's probably a more healthy thing, but shame is a horrible thing. Guilt says I did something wrong. Shame says I am something wrong. Guilt says I made a mistake. Shame says I am a mistake. It's a big difference. Shame says I'm deeply flawed. You are not deeply flawed. God doesn't see you that way. Do you have faults? Sure. All humans have faults. There's no question about it. But the thing about it is God wants to pull you out of that muck and mire and set you on a solid rock so that you can manifest the presence of God. <coughs> I know my throat's acting up this morning. Anyway, so, so God restored man, wants to restore us back to dignity and worth. Give us a, a sense of dignity. See, the glory of God is the view and the opinion of God. See, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, we, we've fallen short of God's ideal, God's design, what he wanted us to be. We fell short of it. 
But the gift of God, which is eternal life, brings us back restores us back, and God puts honor and he puts value upon our lives. And he says, if you agree with me, if you agree with me, your life will change. If you stop disagreeing with me, then uh, if you stop that, your life will change. You see, this idea of identity is such an important thing. You know, when Jesus was baptized in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says that when he came up out of the water, it says the heavens opened, And the Spirit of God descended upon him in bodily shape like a dove. And God said this. This is dramatic. This is a dramatic point. God said this. This, or you, are my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. How many can see identity in that? Jesus goes, who am I? You're my, God's saying, you're my beloved son. You're the son of my love. You're my son. You're my son, and I'm well pleased in you. I've said this so many times, people will probably get bored, but I'll say it again anyways. I don't care. It's a great point. Jesus, at this point, had not preached a sermon yet, had not healed a sick person, had done no miracles, had basically just been with his mommy and daddy at home. But at this point, this point, God, he started his life with the approval of his father. He started his life with the identity of his father. It's interesting, you know, people don't realize this, but many of the people that got, that got Jesus' attention when he was on the earth, Jesus would say, uh, thou son of David, have mercy on me. How many of you ever read that in the, express, in the scripture? Like blind Bartimaeus, thou son of David. Some people think, well, what does that mean? What that blind man is saying, you are him. You're the one that we waited for. You're the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. That's who you are, thou son of David. When he, and when they would identify him, he would stop. There's just something about when you begin to understand who you are and don't let bad past experiences, because all of us have had bad past experiences, and we could all stand around and talk about our bad past experiences, and I realize that they're real, and a lot of times they're extremely painful, extremely painful. But we have to lose that tag and begin to walk in a new day. There's a new day. There's a new hour. There's a new uh, period of time. And God is going to reconnect you to the purposes that he has for your life. If you begin to understand who you are, you'll begin to live out his will and purposes. Amen? See, we shouldn't walk around going, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm a son of God. You know, some people say, well, we've been adopted into the family. That is a false statement. Yeah, I said it. The Bible doesn't say we're adopted into the family. The Bible says that we're born into the family. We're children of God. When the Bible uses the word adopted, it says adopted as sons. Adopted as sons is is actually the word adopted means to be placed as a son. When children in the Jewish culture were born into a family, there came a time when they became mature and that their father would place them into sonship in the family. But they were biological sons. They were biological children. You look it up, see if I'm not right. See, placement as a son is not, is not being adopted like you're some kind of foreigner out of, out of whack. No, you're born with the nature of God inside. When you're born again, you, the nature of God's in your spirit. 
you're his children, and God sends forth his, the spirit of his son crying, Abba, Father, to bring you into sonship. That's the job of the Holy Spirit, is to bring you into full sonship. Thank you, Steve. Preach. I believe I will. See if I'm not right. Check it out. Read your Bible. It's not that hard. You can Google it. You can hit it. It's not that hard. Just check me out. See if I'm not right. And so Jesus hears this voice. And every, it's, how many could see that that would be dramatic? You come up out of the water and a voice goes, This or you are my beloved son. Turn my volume up. <laughs> <coughs> you. You are my beloved son. You are the son of my love. Put some vibrato in it to you. Let's get this. Let's work this thing. You are my, come on, help me out here a little bit. Do something back there. Move the levers. You are my beloved son, the son of my love. And you, I am well pleased. Every single one of us, you can turn me back wherever it was. Every single one of us need to hear God's voice about our identity just like that. We need to, we need to someday, it need, we need to have a white, wet towel experience. What's that? Whack. Where we walk around and all of a sudden God whacks us with his white, wet towel and we go, I'm a son. And you would say, I'm a daughter. Thank you. Thank you for not talking while I'm preaching. <laughs> I'm a daughter, right? I'm a daughter. I'm, a, I'm not me. I'm, I know what I am. I'm a son. You would say, I'm a, she'd say, I'm a daughter. When that revelation hits you, all of a sudden, you realize I'm a favored one. I'm a favored. Circumstances kick you, beat you, throw you down. Sorry for spitting do all these things to you, but what, what you need to learn to do is hear the voice of God. I mean, on the earth, I'm getting beat up, but it, all of a sudden I hear God's voice. Yeah, but I'm for you. How many of the Bible does say that? Since God is what? For us. Is, say God is for you. He's for you. God's for you. He's on your side. That means when you're facing stuff, you go, where's God? You go, oh, you're right here. And God's going, yeah, we can take them. We'll get you through this. I'll get you through this. Don't sweat it. I got this. We'll go. We'll make it. Right? Amen. But you have to see, a lot of people, they think God's their adversary. I don't know what God's doing to me. They think that, they think that God's, they're walking down, they think they see life as I'm walking down an alley and God leaps on me, jumps me, mugs me. Two angels hold me down and God works me over. And leaves me there bloody, beaten on the Jericho Road. Right? No, you needed that. Really? People will do that to you, but God won't do that to you. God will be with you there, and he'll help you, and he'll bring you through. He'll pull you through a knothole if he has to. Amen? <clears throat> Preach, Steve. I believe I will. Now, here's what's interesting. Are you still, are you still with me? I got three minutes. I'm halfway through. So what should I do? <laughs> there's a good guy on this side. There's a bad guy on this side. They're both talking. Which one should I obey? You know, I heard a statistic years ago. 
I just thought of this this morning. I heard a statistic years ago that by Tommy Barnett, he wrote a book, and he said that only 5% of preachers who start preaching in their early 20s out of Bible school, only 5% are still preaching at age 65. Last Monday, I turned 65. <laughs> this, is my first, this is my first sermon in my 65th year on planet Earth. So you better make it a good one, Steve. Well, this one's not too bad. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's okay. It's great. Thank you, brother, in the front row, second row. <laughs> you are now promoted to the front row. YouTube back row, second row. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay, so. And so this is a dramatic event in Jesus' life. Everybody, all of us need to have a dramatic revelation of who we are, who Jesus made us to be in redemption. But here's what's interesting. Right away, Jesus goes into the wilderness, led by the Spirit. Look at Matthew chapter 4. In verse 3, it says, And when the tempter came to him, who's the tempter? Satan, the devil. He came to him, he said, now listen to this. If thou be the Son of God, if thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. So if you're the Son of God. What did Jesus say? What did God say to Jesus? You are my beloved Son. What did the tempter, tempter say? If you're the Son of God. Let, let me say this to you. There's more spiritual warfare around identity than almost anything else. Because if he can get you to believe something that's not true about yourself, you'll live a life that's not true about yourself. If, he, if God can give you the revelation of who you are, identity, if he can give you that revelation, you're going to live a supernatural life. You walk around, some temptation come, you go, I'm righteous. I'm a king. I'm a priest. I'm a son of God. They don't act. They don't do those things. Isn't that true? So he said, if you're the son of God, notice that in verse six, he says the same thing. And he saith unto him, Satan again, saith to him, if thou be the son of God. So two out of three temptations, Satan goes, if you're the son of God. God says, you are my son. Satan said, if you're his son. How many can see that the temptation Two out of three of them was on identity, challenging his God-given identity. Amen. If Satan can confuse you about who you are, he can change what you do. He can change how you act. He can change your attitudes. He can change your behavior. He can change your perspective. But if, he, if, you, if you believe right about yourself, basically what God says about you, I mean, you're going to expect some great things through your life. So being able to hear the voice of God over your identity is one of the most important things. Let me just jump ahead here and just conclude this with one point that I want you to see, and that is about faith. Faith is really an important thing. In fact, the Bible says the just shall live by faith in Romans chapter 1. That we go from faith to faith, the just shall live by faith. And so faith is as important to us as water is to a fish. Have you ever seen a fish out of water? flopping around. That's how you are when you don't live by faith. You flop around. You can't figure out what's up. You don't make any progress. You don't know what's going on. You're starting to suffocate. You have to learn this mysterious life of faith. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six 6, that without faith it's impossible to please God. 
There's two times that Jesus marveled. One was when he encountered great faith, and the other time is when he encountered great unbelief. Those are the two times he marveled. And so the starting point of the Christian life has to be, a successful Christian life has to believe, has to be that I believe I am who God says I am. I have to mix faith with scripture. I am who God says I am. And the greatest example of that is is Abraham in the Bible. What's so interesting is Abraham had a track record where his life produced no children. He, He didn't have any kids. His life produced no kids. And God comes to him and said, not only are you going to have one kid, nations are coming out of you. Not just one nation, nations are coming Nations are coming out of you. God said, nations are coming out of you. In fact, not only that, but I made you. He called him, I made you the father of many nations. Wow. You go, my actions, my track record doesn't show that. My track record does not show that I'm the father of a nation. My track record shows me as a, 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 a pneumatic tribe of people roaming around a desert, barren, old. That's it. That's what my actions show that I am. God says, right? So death surrounds this guy. Death is everywhere. His wife, barren. Her womb is dead. His body's dead. Death is everywhere. And God says, I have made you. You're going to be so fruitful, it's going to blow your mind. Do you know how many kids, how many sons Abraham had? How many know how many? Tell me. How many sons did Abraham have? Anybody know? I haven't even heard the right number yet. Haven't heard the right number yet. He had eight. He had eight sons. Eight biological sons. Did you guys know that? He had eight sons. He had Isaac. He had Ishmael. Remember Ishmael? That was their plan B. Him and his wife concocted plan B. But then after Sarah died, he married another lady named Keturah. Keturah. You can't say that without spitting. Hey, Keturah. He married Keturah. And with Keturah, he had six more sons. So Shut my mouth. He had eight sons. And every son, every son became a tribe or a nation. When God said, nations will come out of you, God fulfilled that promise to Abraham. But here's my point. What God said to Abraham, he said, I have made you a father of many nations. Do you know what? If Abraham would have not believed that, it wouldn't have happened. If Abraham would not have believed that, it would not have happened. When God comes to you and says, here's who you are, and you go, I don't believe it, it wouldn't happen. You have to mix faith in what God says. You have to mix faith in it. You cannot allow yourself to live in with shame thoughts over long periods of time, feeling totally defiled by something that happened to you, feeling like you're a a caterpillar in a world of butterflies or something. It's like, like some alien dropped you off on planet Earth and then flew away and you're walking around. I don't know who I am or what I am. You cannot afford as a Christian to let your mind, your emotions, your soul embrace that kind of mentality. You've got to begin to see, listen, I am what God says I am. If God says that about me, I am that. 
See, God wanted this so powerful. It just has to be upon your imagination. If you stop and think about yourself right now, what do you see? If you just close your eyes, say, I think about myself. You, if you have failure in your life or you've been, you've been afflicted in some way, when you close your eyes, you might say, I see this misfit, this failure, can't do anything. It is, that is not healthy thinking. When you close your eyes and you think about yourself, if you're a lady, you should say, wow, princess. Right? I'm not making this up. This is the scriptures. So what, what God did with Abraham, God said to Abraham, I'm going to give you two things that will remind you always. At night, he said, look at those stars, Abraham, because who are you, Abraham? Who is Abraham? Father of many nations. He still has no kids. Look at the stars, Abraham. What, can you count them? One, two. Have you ever tried to count stars? It's, it's, a, it's a freaky experience. Because you go, oh, you go, after a while you go, oh. Because you, oh, where was I now? I lost count. Yeah. And God said, so shall your descendants be. So at night, he walks around, so shall your descendants be. And then during the day, the stars are gone. Then he goes, see the girdles of sand? So shall your descendants be. So it doesn't matter if it's nighttime, so shall your descendants be. Or daytime, so shall your descendants be. This guy's walking around, and after so many years, what happened was he believed that what God said about him was true. And that, when he believed that, the power of God went into his body and rejuven rejuvenated that guy. I need a hanky. Rejuvenated that guy. Don't give me one. I rejuvenated that guy. And all of a sudden, at 175 years old, this guy is still producing kids. What happened was he believed according to what was spoken. See, here's, here's my point. When you, think, when you close your eyes and you think about yourself, what do you, what do you see? It's so important that you have the right image on the inside. And let Scripture do it. Don't, don't let flattery. I don't like flattery. Oh, you're the greatest preacher in the world. I actually do believe that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I know I'm not. I mean, I listen to guys going, man, I wish I could preach that good. But this sermon is okay. It's really good. Thank you, sister, in the front row. You can stay there. That can be your assigned seat from now on. But, but anyways, here's my point is that if you have to see yourself as God sees you, because some of you are going to be so shocked when God finally does see you someday after you die. Instead of going, you're going to be the janitor in heaven. You're not even going to live inside the city. You're going to live outside the city. You only can come in at certain times. Well, what you're going to see is you're going to see God go, Steve, I waited for you. I'm so proud of you. You're my man. I'm so proud of you. That's what you're going to hear. You won't hear Steve, but you'll hear. Right? You're my son. I accept you. I loved you. I did everything. I, did, I gave the ultimate sacrifice so I could have you as one of my own. You are so important and special to me. Come on, let's walk around heaven together. You'll be, some of you are going to be shocked out of your, you know, Mind's going to be blown because what you do is you have let other people, as the worship team comes, 
You let other people define and give your identity or you hold on to past hurts and you let people who called you a dumb donkey define who you are instead of, instead of hearing the voice of God. I'll tell you this right now, you're not a dumb donkey. I should have titled this message, you're not a dumb donkey. <laughs> then put wink, wink. You're not a dumb donkey. Let me tell you that right now. You are not a dumb donkey. You are a child of the Most High God. You are a son. You're a daughter. Amen. When God looks at you, he sees himself. He goes, I've always liked you. Amen. Let's all stand together. You see... See, it starts with when God came to Abraham, he didn't say, I'm, and this is really an important point. He didn't say, I'm going to make you a father. Man. He didn't say that. He someday in the sweet by and by, you're going to be. He came and said, I have made you. I have made you. Now, Abraham looked in his world. Go ahead and tickle the ivories. Abraham looked in his world. It always goes better with music, doesn't it? It's like psst. my wife, she's been feeding me fish oil. But it's got so much sugar in it. Aftertaste, you can just sort of, that, that's what this is, kind of like the sugar with the fish oil. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know why I said that. But anyways, now I forgot what I was saying. So here's the deal. In Abraham's world, He's a barren man with no hope. Impossible. For him to have a kid, impossible. Turn to your neighbor and say, it was impossible. But contrary, contrary to what he saw, contrary to what he saw came the promise. And the promise so that means with God. Here's the, here's the crazy thing about it. God doesn't go, it was like, God talked about it like it wasn't really a big deal. It wasn't like, wow, guess what? God goes, in my world, in my world, in my world, before the foundation of the world, you, I made you this. I made you a father of many nations in my world. So with me, you're a father of many nations with me. In your world, you're barren. Who are you going to believe? And Abraham said, well, I mean, it's kind of hard. I mean, I could ignore it, but at night I'm, I look and there they are. During the day I look and there they are. See, what, let me ask you this question. What do you do to transform the image that you have right now of who you are into the image that God has for you. What do you do? Well, I don't do anything. I'm just kind of waiting. You should be actively involved in transforming your image, your picture you have inside so that you agree with God and stop wanting God to agree with you. I like that song. It says, I am who you say I am. I don't even know the rest of the song, but I just like that phrase. I am who you say I am. 
God, I am who you say I am. I am, I see it. I am who you say I am. I see it. Man, then you start thinking, well, if I am that, something good's about ready to happen to me today. In fact, I believe this whole week's going to be good. Because I'm one of the favored ones. Turn to your neighbor and tell him that. I'm one of the favored ones. See, God, God doesn't wait for your behavior and then say, oh, I see what you are. God goes, this is what you are. Now your behavior will line up. If you see it right, you'll act right. Isn't that a good message? Yeah. Instead of going, everything is going wrong. Kids are crazy. Finances are crazy. My husband's crazy. He's a nut. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> right? Instead of just looking at all that stuff. How about look, what are, you, what are you saying to me, God? Because those things, what they do is they minister death to your soul. And you think, God must have forsaken me. I wouldn't be going through this if God hadn't forsaken me. Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait a second. If you, he can get you to believe right, stuff will start shifting and changing. Amen. Let's sing this song together.
time is tell God we're so thankful that we're a child of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, hallelujah, that he made us kings and priests on the earth, hallelujah, he said we will reign on the earth, hallelujah, we will reign in life through one Jesus Christ, hallelujah, thank you God, hallelujah, thank you God for putting your honor, putting your value upon our lives, we just thank you for it Lord, that you returned us to that sense of value and worth, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, that every lie of the enemy about us is being destroyed this morning, Lord. That we're seeing ourselves clearly. Hallelujah. Help us. Give us eyes. Lord, let us have an experience in this place as dramatic as the experience that you had at the River Jordan. God, give us a dramatic experience. We're all... The voice that we hear is your voice. Every other voice from the past begins to diminish and disappear. And that we hear your voice. You are my child. You are my child. You are mine. Hallelujah. You are mine. Royalty flows inside of you. Hallelujah. Let God, let's give us a give us an experience like that, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus. How many agree with that? Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to give you the opportunity to be prayed for. If the, if the Prayer counselors could please come forward. You know, this is a good uh, area to be prayed over this point. If you're not a Christian here, you've never surrendered your life to Christ, you don't know for sure that if you died right now that you'd go to heaven. This is a good opportunity for you to come forward and be prayed for. If you're dealing with shame, you're dealing with shame, past experiences that are hurtful and harmful, this is a great time to receive prayer. There's an anointing here to touch that area of your life. Amen? The Holy Spirit is trying to, to rescue you by giving you truth and then follow it up with prayer. If you have hurtful things from the past that you can't shake, they're, they're like shadows, this is a good time to be prayed for. Amen? Praise God. So we have some fellowship, some food back there, just finger stuff, I guess. I don't know. I, when I get there, it's all gone always, but there's coffee. And it's good fellowship there, but... Please join us for fellowship. But listen, if you do need prayer, please come forward. Even if there's a lot of people that are being prayed for, just wait and, and let, let somebody pray with you about situations. You know, sometimes if you know anything about raising kids, you know, you, you, you want to talk to your kids at times about things. But the best time to talk to them about things is when they are ready. All of a sudden, their little soul opens up. And if your soul opened up this morning... And you go, I see this. I see this situation is not good. I see this. This is affecting me. It's a good time to be prayed for. When your soul opens up and God puts his finger on something, this is a good time to answer that voice and say, I'm not who that voice says I am. I'm different. Amen. So this is a good time. If that's you, please come forward and be prayed for. Lord, I just pray now that you bless your people, God. Give them the greatest week they've ever had on planet Earth. Hallelujah. They're your kids, Lord. You're for them, not against them. We just pray, God, that your favor would be so evident in their life 
This week, Lord, we just speak favor over them, Lord, your favor. You're the light of your countenance shining upon them. And Lord, when, I just thank you, God. I prayed for them to have that encounter with your voice, that they are your children. I just thank you. That's not gonna, that's gonna happen, Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, everybody. You're free to go. If you need prayer, please come forward. And I want you to know that He can give you today a new future. We hope this message has been a blessing to your life. A copy of this message and additional Destiny Church materials are available at destinychurchexit77.org.